Great. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to tonight's class titled, Can a Russia Regain Self-Control? Previously, we discussed how no matter who you are, what you are, you have the ability, so that it is exceedingly close to you to have self-control, control over your thought, speech, and action. And we explained that when the Torah says you could have control over your heart, in your heart, it doesn't mean that every person has the ability to have complete control over what he loves and what he hates. No. It means every person has complete control to create a love and fear of God to do, to do the Torah and mitzvot. We all have the ability to create a love of God, a fear of God to do the mitzvot. Big problem. We learn in the Talmud, Rishaim, Libambi Rishusam. A Russia. I, I apologize, I said it incorrectly. We learn in the Talmud that Rishaim Hembi Rishus Libam, the Ain Libambi Rishusam. A Russia, his heart controls him, he does not control his heart. Until now, we said we all have the ability to control our heart, and yet we're going to momentarily learn that a Russia lost control. He's lost self-control. So how do we say that it's exceedingly close to you to have self-control if the Russia has lost it? The Russia has chosen to lose control. You're saying you're born a Russia. I'm, I'm saying you're born originally, it doesn't count early on when it's your animal, animal heart in control, but later in life you can make the choice to allow your heart to control you, and that's... Once you've allowed your heart to control you, you're lost. Is that what you're saying? I'm not saying you're lost, no, I'm saying that they've made the conscious decision. Uh, Rush has made a conscious decision to allow his heart to control him. Yes. That's 100% correct. The Rush has made a conscious decision, he said, I'm going to indulge in my desires. I'm going to actively go against God. Rashavirallo, he's unfortunately there's no good within him. The good, as we discuss, is hovering over him. So yes, he's allowed his heart to control him. So as tonight's class is titled, "Can a Russia regain self-control?" And you may ask now. Why is this important? None of us are Rashaim, Rasha Viralo, the ultimate Russia that does not a drop of good. The Gemara, the Talmud shares with us. When you get a minute. You know, a, a, a chassid of another rabbi, another, another rabbi, once came to Lubavitcher Rebbe and he said, he came asking for a blessing. And the Rebbe asked him to share a teaching from his Rebbe, most, the most recent teaching. And the chassid shares, he says, his rabbi had a question. The Talmud says, Call Yisrael Mileim Mitzvos Kirimon. Every single Jew, no matter who he is, no matter what he is, the most wicked person still has as many mitzvos as a pomegranate. Hundreds and hundreds of mitzvos. So his rabbi asked, he said, I don't understand. How could it be? He's a Russia. How could it be he has so many mitzvot? That was the question his rabbi asked. And so the Rebbe, the Lubavitch Rebbe, turns to the Chassid, he said, I learned the same Gemara, but I had a different question. My question was, 
how can there be wicked people anymore? If every single person, the Talmud says, has so many mitzvot. There's that perception. What, what's our perception here? The wicked person, a rush of Aralo, unfortunately has no good. And so you may ask, why are we learning this here? And at the end of tonight's class, I think there's something so deep, so practical to each and every one of us that we could take out. But let's leave that to the end. I'll take a comment from David, and then I'd like to share that we're going to learn outside, and then we'll do it inside. Yes, David, go ahead. I think that we should never lose sight of the fact that we do not exist in isolation. Consequently, every time that we pursue a course of the Rasha, we are setting a bad example, and we influence those who are around us. So, how can we re expect, even with the studious person who has never been exposed to anything but the conduct of the Rasha, to pursue the role of a Benoni? So, we do not merely decide and perform for ourselves, we do so for our community. And that heaps a hell of a lot more responsibility on each of us as Yehudim. Yeah, we all have a big responsibility, a big task. But as, as we've learned, we have that ability to do it. Now, one other comment. You asked the question. The answer, as far as I am concerned, has nothing to do with, actu with uh, that which is actuated, but rather with potentiality. Let's hold that thought. This is in Hebrew, we'll translate it, but bear with me. The Talmud in Tractate Megillah, we just finished, today is Shushan Purim, the Talmud in Tractate Megillah 29a shares, Galu Edom Shechina Imahem. Could anyone help me translate Galu? Was revealed. Exiled. This is Galut. Exiled to Edom. Edom is a reference to Esav. Ex Edom is a reference to um, not holy. So the Jewish people were exiled to whatever exile it may have been, whether it was the Roman exile, the Babylonian exile. Shekhinah imahem. What does that mean? Wherever we go, the Shekhinah is with us. A Jew is never alone. In exile. But let's read that Gemara again, a little differently. And let's translate the word Edom, not a place, but an action. Galula Edom. If we were exiled to Edom, if we were exiled to the negativity, if, if someone has indulged unfortunately in negative things and he's gotten involved in Edom, wherever you may be, Shekhinah Yimahem, the Shekhinah comes with you. Wherever you are, You've taken the Shekhinah with you. And for a moment I want to share, this is very powerful. A Jew should know, wherever you go, God is with you. For the good, it's the most amazing, amazing thing. Wherever in the world you may be, whatever circumstance you may find yourself, whatever t predicament you may be in, whatever unfortunately situation may come upon you, Hashem is with you. But let's look at it the other way. Unfortunately, if a Jew does something really unfortunate, he's taken Hashem with him. And we're going to soon see an expression, much later in Tanya, that sometimes a Jew is able to take, so to speak, Hashem's head, and literally, we're going to learn, put it in the toilet. Put it in, put it in dung is going to be the expression. If you go ahead 
not you, God forbid, if someone goes ahead and does something terrible, they've, they've put Hashem there. Hashem is with us. Let's look at it. Let's take away though the positive. The positive is wherever a Jew finds himself, Hashem is with him. But now we could understand that God forbid when we sin, when we say that a Jew has done something he needs to do Teshuvah for, what has he done? He has taken Hashem to an inappropriate place. He separated Hashem from where Hashem should really be, so to speak. And this is truly the meaning of Teshuvah. Teshuvah, what does Teshuvah mean? What does Teshuvah mean? To, not to repent. As often, it means to return. But let's look really carefully. It could have said Tashuv. Tashuv means to return. Teshuvah means Tashuv Hey. Return the Hey. What is this Hey? So now we have to look at Hashem's name. Hashem's name, and, and just to be clear, you'll see there's a line between every letter. So to make, otherwise this would be a very holy paper. Hashem's name is made up of a Yud, then a Hey, then a Vav, then a Hey. Let's focus for a moment on these letters and discuss their meaning. A Yud is a dot. All that you need for a Yud is a dot, no matter what type of dot. A Yud is a dot. That dot is the essence of Hashem. Then we have the Hey. The Hey is taking the essence of Hashem, stretching it out in its length, pulling it down, Taking the Yud, the He goes ahead and is now sharing that energy. But that's only in the heavenly worlds. Then comes the Vav. The Vav is exactly what it, what it looks like. It's a straight line. The Vav pulls that energy further down and finally into the final He, which is expanding it and bringing it down into our world. So again, the Yud is the essence of Hashem. The He is expounding upon that. The Vav is expounding upon that in, he in heaven. The Vav is pulling that further down until f the final hey brings it into our world. Make sense? Try again? Let's try, let's try again. The Yud, Hashem. The hey is sharing that energy, but sharing it in the higher and heavenly worlds. That's what a hay is. A hay has a straight line, it's ex expanding it, and it has a line down, it's pulling it down. Then comes the vav. A vav is a line, it's pulling it from heaven even further down. Then comes the second letter hay which is, again, expounding this energy even further and pulling it even lower into our world. And when we say that someone needs to do Tashuv Hay to return the Hay, you remember we said, wherever a Jew goes, he's taking Hashem with him for the good and unfortunately the opposite? Wherever a Jew goes, that last letter Hay is with him. And if unfortunately we go somewhere not appropriate, we have to bring back that letter hey. We have to bring back that energy of Hashem. And that is what Teshuvah means. Teshuvah means Tashuv hey, to return the letter hey. You're saying that Shekhinah is represented by the, the last hey then? 
the, the lowest, the aspect of the Shekhinah in you, yes, is represented by the last letter of Hashem's name. Correct. Is not the Shekhinah a godly soul? The Shekhinah is a term for Hashem enclothing itself, Hashem enclothing Himself in something. It's a general term that doesn't have a specific level it refers to. When Hashem encloses Himself in something, that's called Shekhinah. So yes, the Shekhinah is in our soul. The in Shekhinah our is in our, in our godly soul. The Shekhinah is in this table. So unfortunately, a Russia can take Hashem to places, he, to places Hashem does not re- want to be revealed, does not want to be there. So what do we do? And let's look at a quote from Psalms from Tillim. David HaMelech shares with us, top section, What's the sacrifice of Zevach? Zevach is a sacrifice. Tractate Zevachim is a tractate all about sacrifices. So David HaMelech says, A sacrifice for God is what? Ruach Nishpara. Ruach is... Spirit, nishbara, broken. You want to bring a sacrifice to God? Break the evil spirit. But how do you break the evil spirit, continues David HaMelech? Lev nishbar. A broken heart, venitzke, is another word for broken. If you want to break the evil energy and release Hashem from within, if a, if, a tza, if a Russia has done something inappropriate and he wants to release, he wants to break the shell of evil surrounding Hashem, what do you need to do? What does he need to do? He needs to have a broken heart that will break the evil surrounding that energy. Zivchei Elohim, what's a sacrifice for God? How can you elevate something to Hashem? Ruach Nishbara, by breaking the evil spirit. How do you do that? Leave Nishbara and by having a broken, and I think they use the word contrite heart. So let's summarize and we'll see it inside and then we'll, yeah, we'll take some questions. In summary, we take Hashem wherever we are. Unfortunately, a Russia could take Hashem to places we don't want to discuss. How could a Russia make a change there? By returning the letter Hey of Hashem that He put there. How do you return the letter Hey? By having a broken heart. By really, by really feeling Contrite about what you've done. And that will then break the evil energy. Yes, Garrison. I think I, by what you just said, I think I really kept Fantastic. Any questions? Let's see. You, no one should worry. This, doesn't, this is not referring to anyone here. We're, full, we're, we're all tzaddikim, right? Please. So t- tell me, tell me, tell me more about that. Um, Why are you confused? Well, the, the contrite heart and the broken heart can lead to sadness and um, I guess bitterness. And my, uh, <laughs> the bitterness is different from depression. Very good. Okay. <laughs> With all due respect to my Mora, I, by broken heart, I think we mean 
that it's broken because we acknowledge the nature of our evil and and, and uh, renounce it. So broken might be a little misleading. Uh, it's what causes us internally to reject and be contrite. That was perhaps more on the mark. Will you accept that or? Just share it again, please. Um, contrition, you use the term broken, says I realize the evil I committed, I renounce it, and I forswear to do the opposite, to reconnect myself with Hashem. Yes. You mentioned that we are all tzaddikim. Uh, I think the whole purpose of all of this is that you would like us all to be benoni. Not Well, there are 36 hidden tzaddikim, and we still have a few more that could join this room and be in the 36. Okay. Yeah. Okay, here we go. I'll make some calls for the next slide. <laughs> okay. we're, uh, we're in the middle of chapter 17, page 74. Page 74, left column. We're going, to, we're going to start from the middle of the column. It's a new paragraph, the mind. The mind, in turn, by virtue of its inherent nature, is master over the left part of the heart, and over the mouth, and all the limbs, which are the instruments of action. Yeah, we've said that in an average human being, the mind controls... And if someone allows their mind to do what it should, without fail, you're able to do good. You may have inappropriate thoughts, but you have the ability to control it. Except in him who is completely wicked. A rush of Iralo, completely wicked. As the rabbi said, that the wicked are under the control of their heart. Rishayim heim b'rishus libam. But their heart is not at all controlled by them. They don't tell their heart what to do. Their heart tells them what to do. And if so, we have a problem. Because we learned at the beginning that every Jew could control their heart, and yet a Russia cannot. So are you telling me the Torah is not true? Are you telling me there's a part of the Torah that is not applicable for everyone? This is a punishment for the enormity and potency of their sin. They're punished. The Russia is punished that he does not have self-control over his heart because of the enormity of his sin. Remember, we're talking about a Russia viralo. A Russia that there is not a drop of good in him. So why does the Torah not discuss them? Here we learn a very sad detail, and that is that a Russia the Torah, in a sense, refers to as a dead man. Life means you're on a mission. You're on a task. And you, who attach yourself to Hashem, your God, what's the continuation of the verse? You who attach yourself to Hashem, your God, you are Chaim Kulchem Hayom, all alive today. Someone who attaches themselves to God is alive. But unfortunately, someone who has done the exact opposite, he is not alive in the ultimate sense. 
He's living, he's not living a life. But the Torah does not speak of those, of these dead who in their life are called dead. Indeed, it is impossible for the wicked to begin to serve God without their first repenting for their past. They're so locked in. Their hearts control them. They don't control their heart. That the only thing they can do now is Teshuvah. That's the only thing that can. They need to really break through the barriers and allow themselves to regain self-control. A Russia can, gain, can regain self-control, but he must do real Teshuvah. And let's see this in, in order. In order to shatter the Klipot. Someone did something inappropriate. They've brought down either the klipat, noga, the three evil klipot, and they've created, which form a sundering curtain and an iron partition that interpose between them and their Father in Heaven. Doing a sin and being this rush of a ra'lo, ultimate, unfortunate, unfortunately, ultimate evil, they've created this iron curtain. This iron, I shouldn't say curtain, because curtain is thin. The words are specific, an iron partition that interposed between them and their Father in Heaven by means of contriteness of heart and bitterness of soul. Ah, So how do you break this iron, curt- iron partition? By means of contriteness of heart and bitterness of soul over their sins. As is explained in the Zohar on the verse, Zivchei Elohim, the sacrifices of God. What are the sacrifices of God? Ruach Nishpara, a broken spirit, a broken spirit of evil. How do you break the spirit of evil? Continues the Zohar, Lev Nishpar a broken and contrite heart. <coughs> For through breaking's one heart, breaking one's heart and spirit of uncleanliness, for through breaking one's heart, the spirit of uncleanliness of the Sitra Chara is broken. See Ibn Amparshat Pinchat, page 240, and Amparshat Vayikra, page 8 and page 5, and the commentary of the Ravat Maz thereon. What do we say here? And this actually, clearly in the time you were addressing your question, Basha. The, the wording of the Alter Rebbe is by means of contriteness of heart and bitterness of soul over their sins. And this is something that Hasidus always shares. You have to be happy and sad at the same moment. Happy for the good and sad for your sins. We're not saying you should be sad. Sad for your sins. Just today, I was disciplining a student and I said, I said, you're an awesome student. I just didn't like what you said. Your words were inappropriate today. And he started laughing at me. Mm-hmm. And I said, but that's, this is exactly what we learn in Hasidus. If someone does something really inappropriate, you have to really, really, in the word, we, there's strong words in the Torah, you have to hate their actions to love who they are. The Torah doesn't say love your fellow like yourself aside for no, the Torah says love your fellow like yourself but there's some people the Torah also says you shouldn't love you have to love the Jew within them and you're not allowed to love their actions and that's what we're saying here you have to be sad 
bitterness of soul over your sins, but not bitterness of soul over who you are. But in Judaism, aren't our actions who we are? No. They're not. No, because that this Russia here, mm-hmm. he's a Russia Viralo. He's the ultimate wicked. It's really a tragic story, mm-hmm. but he he's a Jew. Can you repeat your comment? I didn't hear. It seems like somewhere along the way I've learned that our actions are who we are. You're not wrong. You're just we're thinking a little differently. No, no. Really, it's very important to know that your actions do not make who you are. And that's why oftentimes Chabad has a quote, a Jew is a Jew is a Jew. That's exactly the point. Your actions do not make you. Your actions affect you, but they don't make you, yes. Would you say that your actions are how you tell the world about yourself? Ooh, that's a tough one. Because the... How you tell yourself about your, how you tell the world about your present self. That's a very important. Yeah, about your present self. Yes. How you, they're, 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 they demonstrate what you're telling the world about where you are today, right now. Yes. Right now. Yes. Tomorrow could be could be different. Exactly, and that's what we've learned so much that today you could be a Russia, tomorrow you could be a Benini, the next day you could be a Tzaddik. Yeah. No, it wouldn't be your actions. It, more is your intent, right? That's what uh, the intent of your uh, like there isn't uh, Hashem isn't uh, the, the intention of our heart is uh, like sometimes like the, if you're gonna say you have the intent to do a mitzvah, it can be counted to you as if you did do the mitzvah. Right, right. That, that's a tough conversation. The answer is yes, your intent counts, but uh, even deeper is your actions. Yeah. yeah, and that's what we learn. That's why, you know, oftentimes we'll go around asking people, are you Jewish? Do you want to put on tefillin? And they tell me, I don't need to put on tefillin today. I love God in my heart. I have my own connection, you know. But in that case, Hashem says, Hashem directs us and says, that, no, that's not, that's not the way it should be. Intent, intent is enough if you, if you actively want to do a mitzvah, right. and you can't. But if your intent is like your own, in a way, mishigas, you know, you say, this is my connection with Hashem, that's not going to cut it. The, 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 actual, the intent to actually perform the action. Right, right, right. right. Yes, yeah, so a, a Jew is blessed that even if he does not do a mitzvah, he even tried, he's, he's blessed that Hashem counted as a mitzvah. Yeah. So, you, so well, how do you answer, what do you answer to uh, someone who responds like that and asks them to put on the film? Uh, you, have, you have to evaluate who you're talking to. <laughs> There's no, no correct answer. Yeah, yes? I had always understood what she did, but that the intent is the actuator of the We're going to talk about that in the next ten chapters. We're going to talk about intent. But like we've discussed, we've discussed in the last few weeks, the ultimate is action. As long as you understand that I don't set all this up in my mind in advance. <laughs> Actions shape your, your, your mind, too. It is, right. it is a two-way street. And it's your actions, your, your present actions influence your... I mean, I, will, I think about it this way. Everything, basically everything we do either builds a habit or erodes a habit. Mm-hmm. We make every choice we make, if I make if I make a choice to put on phone today, I'm reinforcing the likelihood that I'm going to put on phone again tomorrow. 
God forbid I don't, then I'm making it easier for him to get lazy again tomorrow. Yes. No, and, and, and Asha, I want to share... In one line, actually, a summary of the last 17 chapters is going to be that intent is not the most important. The most important thing is action. And that is why we've said our feelings we can't control. Mm-hmm. And we learned, we learned last week, that's okay. Hashem's not worried about our feelings if we want to do it. Hashem, is, Hashem most wants action. Hayom la sosam, as we quoted last week from the Pirkei Avos. It's about today to do action. But we're going to talk about that more in the coming weeks. And if you, if you thought about doing it, but you didn't do it, and you weren't physically prevented by some external thing, then I think it's questionable if there, if there really was any intention. You're thinking about it. Oh, if you think about doing something and you don't do it, you don't do th- it that's, not. that's not what we're discussing here. We're talking yeah. about where you wanted to do it, but there was a prevention, correct. Yeah. So over here, in the name of Hashem, we have two letters, of, we have two hays. And each one of these hays can be separated from the letter prior. Let me give you an example. We say Amalek, Amalek separated the letters of Hashem's name. If you look in the Torah portion that we just finished reading for Purim, we read about Amalek, you'll, you'll, if you look carefully, the meaning of the words literally is that Amalek has separated the name of Hashem. You can separate the higher and lower hay. What does it mean to separate the higher hay? That's a deeper separation. This is the, what we're going to call, we're not going to discuss it today, but we're going to call it the superior teshuva, teshuva ila'a. A tzaddik could still do teshuva. He could do teshuva ila'a. A rasha, or what we're discussing here, someone who has really done inappropriate things, he is still dealing with the lower le- le- level of teshuva, tashuv hey. He needs to return the lower letter, letter hey to, the, to its source. Remember, he's taken Hashem away into negative. He has to return the lower, the, the second hay. And that's what we continue now in Tanya. This is the category of lower repentance. Remember, there's higher repentance and lower repentance. So this Russia, who is breaking the evil, he is in the category of lower repentance. We're on page 74, right-hand column, where it says, six Shivat, in small words. This is the category of lower repentance, whereby the lower letter He, meaning the second letter He of Hashem's name, is raised up from its fall into the forces of evil. It fell into evil. It's raised up. Ah, which is the mystery of the Shekhinah in exile. Remember we learned, as our rabbis of blessed memory state, when they, the Israelites, went, were exiled into Edom, the Shekhinah went, in, went with them. The Shekhinah goes with you. What is the Shekhin in our context right now? The letter He. The lower le- the second letter He. That is to say, when a person practices the acts of Edom, and in note 14, Edom is here understood allegorically as the embodiment of evil. That's note 14 on the bottom. So when a person practices the acts of Edom, he degrades and brings down there the divine spark, which vitalizes his nefesh, ruach, and nishama that are closed within him in the animal soul of the klipa. 
When a person does something negative, he's taken the godliness of his animalistic soul. The animalistic soul has godliness. He's taken it and stuck it into evil. Where does the godliness of the animalistic soul abide, which is in the left part of his heart, which reigns over him as long as he remains wicked? A wicked person, the evil is going to control him as long as he's wicked. Dominating his small city, while the nefesh, ruach, and neshama are forced into exile under it. Literally, you could take God, a, a, a human, a Jew, unfortunately, has the ability to take God and trap him. God is within your animalistic soul. You're, take, you're letting your animalistic soul be controlled by evil. Oh, so the God within you is trapped. So what do you do? But when his heart breaks within him, as we mentioned earlier, when the Russia comes and he breaks his heart, and this goes ahead in the spirit of uncleanliness, and of the Isitra Achara is broken, and therefore and the forces of evil are dispersed, then... The Shekhinah rises from its fall and remains upright as is explained elsewhere. Let's, let's summarize what we've learned. Very powerful. And then I wanted to share with you a magnificent point. Something, a very important takeaway. So in summary, we've shared. Hashem is with us wherever we go. Unfortunately, if someone has allowed them, themselves to be controlled by evil, then God, the godliness within you is controlled by evil. And the only, gay, the only way to regain self-control is by having a broken heart that will break the evil within you. But what's so magnificent about this? It's, it, the, on the one hand, it's very sad. But on the other hand, the fact that Hashem is with you, even the Russia, the ultimate Russia, Hashem is with him wherever he goes. We know the story of Rabbi Lazar ben Dudaya. And forgive me if I'm saying the wrong name, because it's a, it's a sad story, but a good ending. I believe it was a Rebbe Lazar ben Dudaya. He was a terrible sinner. And he was a real Russia. And he did one of the ultimate sins. And as he committed this ultimate sin, he was, he was told by another, you'll never be able to repent to God. He heard this, it really affected him, and he broke down so much that the Talmud shares he passed away from the enormity of what he had done. And yet, the moment he passed away, a heavenly voice came out and said, Rabbi Elazar ben Dudayah. In one moment, that's what we say, Teshuvah takes one minute, it's literally. In one moment, he had gone from one extreme and the real extreme. I mean, the real extreme the other real extreme and I think that message is very powerful for us no matter where we are Hashem is there with us and it takes one minute to break out of it any questions? who spoke? Who spoke? a heavenly voice came out Hashem Hashem yeah. any questions? Well, yes I, please are, are we also talking about non-Jews? Tell me in which which part of the conversation are you asking? Well, I was assuming at one point that uh, the Russia Ben Ami started talking about Jews. Yes. But I'm wondering, are there non-Jews of those three types also? 
You're asking a good question and a complicated one. I'll try and answer it to the best of my understanding. In chapter 1 we learned that the ultimate good, the ultimate, ultimate good, meaning being able to completely let go of yourself and do something for someone else is generally only by Jewish people. But it, it does certainly exist within non-Jewish people. Within, and there are non-Jewish people that have a portion of the world to come. There are non-Jewish people that go to Ghanaian. So, are there wholly non-Jewish people? Completely. Not only that, it is our task, one of the 613 mitzvot, the Rambam, the codifier of Jewish law, he says it is the task of every Jew to influence the non-Jewish people to accept upon themselves the seven Noahide laws. And a, a non-Jew who fulfills the seven Noahide laws has fulfilled his mission in life in the ultimate. So much so, that is why if a non-Jew comes and says, I want to convert, we say, don't convert. Because you don't need to. We're not telling, when, when, we, when people say Jewish people don't, um, how do you say when you, missionize, proselytize? When Jewish people don't go ahead and try and convert others, that's because we feel, we don't feel, we know, that for a non-Jew, he has a task in this world, and his task is to be the ultimate non-Jew. And by being the ultimate non-Jew, he is the equivalent in his mission of life for a Jew fulfilling 613 mitzvot. We all have different tasks. So can, are there different levels within non-Jewish people? Completely. Do, do the specific levels of the Russia, the Benini, and, and the Tzaddik, with, the, with all the parts of their soul? No. The godly soul is something that only a Jew has. But are there, are there holy non-Jewish people? Yeah, completely. Completely. Any other questions? I'm having a difficult time with the wording. In this Please. Episode. So basically, from what I'm reading, we carry this little portion of divine presence, Shekinah, with us. Yes. This is what, this is what, is, what feeds our three parts, our three aspects of the yeah. soul. Of the animalistic soul. Of our, even our, even our, our nefesh, ruach, and neshama. And that, of the animalistic soul. Of the animal, animalistic soul. Yeah. This is a divine, this is a little part, piece of Hashem's divine, yeah. divine presence. Mm -hmm. But with our intent, we actually encase this divine presence within Klippa, that we actually have the ability. With to, our actions. With our actions, that we actually have the capabilities of encasing Hashem's yeah. divine. Yeah. Within. Which that that's what I'm having difficulty understanding. It was this is this is Hashem's divine presence. How do we have that much power within ourselves? And why does it make sense to you that God doesn't close Himself inside of you if you do good? Why does that make sense? Uh, I'm saying that what I'm wondering is why is the Shekhinah? Why do we have that power over? The ah, no, no, and that's what I wanted to flip it around to you. Okay. Why do we have the power to draw down the Shekhinah into this world at all? The same reason Hashem allows us through a mitzvah to draw him down here is the same reason that doing the opposite can, so to say, lock up Hashem. It was all Hashem's will. 
That's what Hashem wanted. It almost sounds like he intentionally makes a little piece of him vulnerable within each of us. I mean, that, that's what it sounds yes. like. Yes. Okay. The answer is yes. That's what it means. We're partners in, in creation. If Hashem didn't give that, us that ability, we wouldn't be partners. We would just be pawns. We're real partners. Hashem says, I'm trusting you a part of me. Now make good choices. Okay. So on the contrary, your question brings out what a powerful energy you, Jonathan, have, and everyone else, of course. You are carrying within you an atomic bomb. You have the most powerful energy within you. Okay. There's a rabbi in, uh, I think, Svat, named uh, Avraham Sinai. Oh, I've heard of this guy. Yeah, his, his birth name was Ibrahim Yassin. Mm -hmm. And he was, uh, he was a Hezbollah operative. He was a, a rabbi? Yeah. <coughs> yeah, well, he, uh, he also prevented many terrorists. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're, you're sharing an observation from one extreme to the other. That's yeah, fascinating. Yeah. He, he defected to the Israelis. Thank you. Found Hashem, converted, Amazing. and became a rabbi. Amazing. Well, thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.